Hashtag Raw and Relentless, the show, episode number six. Patrick James here. And real quickly, I wanted to introduce my man, Mo Abassi. Mo officially is our guest for episode six. And just like myself, he is a dating and relationship coach and also ex-vegan. I didn't even know before the podcast that he wasn't a vegan anymore. The first time we met, we actually went out to a restaurant and I am not a vegan myself, but I remember we had to go to a vegan restaurant because my man was vegan at the time. And so when we talked about it on the podcast, he actually informed me that he is no longer vegan and he actually has a whole kind of like horror story about around like what kind of effects veganism was having on his body. Anyways, you already know the style. Hashtag Raw and Relentless, the show. We go everywhere with the conversation wherever the conversation takes us. So like I said, Mo Bassi is a dating relationship coach. His YouTube channel is The High Value Man, which teaches men how to become the most attractive version of themselves with tips on fashion, dating, and lifestyle. I wouldn't be vouching for this man as a dating coach myself if I didn't genuinely like this man as a person and really feel like he has a lot of value to offer. So, brought him on for episode six. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy yourself some more. And over. Welcome to Raw and Relentless, bro. Dude, I'm, I'm excited for this. I, I want to thank you for having me on. And as much as we're far apart right now, um, it feels very, like, very cool that we're, we're in this studio. I feel like I'm in the studio with you right now. Yeah, well, so the guys who are watching this, this and listening, they didn't see the fucking 10 minutes of me going back and forth trying to set it up because this is our first Zoom call uh, for the podcast. And honestly, my vision for the podcast – uh, I've talked about it before, but I started it because I didn't want to pigeonhole myself into only being able to share my thoughts on dating related issues. So I started a whole new channel, started this podcast more for a personal fulfillment standpoint. And, uh, I didn't want it to be one of those where we're doing a lot of zoom interviews with like armchair experts and, uh, you know, cause I, I just feel like it's been done so much. So I think the way that I can really inject my own personality and feel and vibe and creativity into it is having something in, in studio, right. Where people can actually show up and travel to, um, just like the old days on TV. But, um, uh, unfortunately, you know, travel and shit and coronavirus, which speaking of dude, like, did you get coronavirus for real? Dude, I, I don't know if I got it because I didn't get tested. However, I remember I flew from, I flew, flew from Toronto to San Francisco, and then I went from San Francisco to Newport, and those were one of the two first places to have cases reported in America. And uh, San Francisco was one of the main hubs for people to fly into from China. So the, the day that I was leaving, all these people were coming in, and I was like, holy fuck, man, I'm going to get sick. And then I kept shaking people's hand. I had a few people cough on me, like... TSA officer straight up coughed in my face. And then when I came back, I had a really bad flu for like four or five days. It was really intense. And then after it, it just kind of lingered for another like week or two where I was just having these like weird symptoms of coughs and like body aches and shit. So dude, I, I think I got it to be honest. And yeah. like, it, it was just for me, maybe it could have been a different flu or something. But for me, if that was coronavirus, it was similar to a flu, but a little bit more intense. Damn. Do you think, 
so have you been tested at all for it like the antibodies and whatnot i didn't get tested because i was like dude if i leave this this house and i'm sick then technically i'm putting people at risk regardless of whether it's coronavirus or, or flu um so i just stayed home man i just quarantined and like waited it out and now i'm fine what about your girlfriend was she coming over and helping you and whatnot well, I mean, dude, we lived together and surprisingly, she didn't get sick at all. Huh. At all. And I was like coughing and sneezing all over the place. So like, I was like, man, you, you gotta, you gotta really get immune system. Yeah. It was so, not get that. so this was when you were traveling, was that all around the time when like quarantine started and all that started? Cause I heard about it shortly after the quarantine started that you might've had coronavirus, you know? No. So when I was traveling, there was like, there was basically like the, the, the start, it was like literally the start of it where they're like, Oh, we got cases and we got this and we got that. Mm. Um, when was this like February? This was, uh, I went to a marketing event, so I'll tell you exactly when it was here. Let me pull this up. I always love going to those marketing events. That's where we first met officially in person. Was at a marketing event? Did we meet at a, yeah, we met in person at a marketing event. Yeah. So I went to the same marketing event that we met at, but it was only a year later. Um, let me see when it was exactly. Okay. It was January 23rd to the 25th. Got it. So it was like right at the start. And, uh, dude, yeah, I got, I got pretty sick when I came back and I was like, all right, I'm just gonna, how long, how long between after the event and beginning of your symptoms was it, was it about two weeks? Like they're saying, like when I started feeling sick, it wasn't two weeks. So that's why I think it may have not been coronavirus, may have just been flu, but like Mm -hmm. I came back and from the moment I left, it was like the 22nd. And when I came back, it was like. 26th or the 27th I started feeling sick but dude it was it was pretty intense like it wasn't really flu like it was like it was the flu times like three times four it was pretty it was pretty rough damn you know what's crazy about that story because um you and I went to the same exact event last year I think it was last January 2019 and I was similar in the sense that I went to that event and then the following week I went, I, I came back to Arizona, went back to California to go to Disneyland with my girlfriend. And then I went back to Arizona and then I traveled again to San Diego to go to traffic and conversion summit, which is another big ass marketing event. And then after those three trips, like basically three weeks in a row, I got back and I was the most sick I'd ever been. And this was last year. And so for a week straight, I didn't feel like I was going to die, but I had a 105 degree fever and I definitely felt like ass and I started feeling sick on the very last day uh, that I was at the third event in a row. And I think for me, obviously it wasn't coronavirus. It was 2019, but for me it was, I think I just ran my body into the ground. It was lack of sleep. It was a lot of partying, a lot of traveling. And do you think maybe that had some effect with you as well? Maybe. I I mean, I've been, and this is a good conversation because I've been getting really into learning more about health and taking my body seriously and my health seriously. So I do think there was a huge factor of that because, you know, I drank and we partied and we, 
we you know had drinks and stuff at the event and uh getting less sleep waking up super early and then on the on the uh plane i got zero sleep and the time zone differences so honestly that could have been it that like allowed me to get sick um but i don't know man i i had a i had a tsa officer straight up cough in my in my face and my mouth was open so i was like when that happened i was like yo i'm getting sick <laughs> like there's there's no, there's no holding this back anymore i had a dude sneeze in my face at the event i had a tsa officer just cough straight into my mouth and then i'm like all right it's just a matter of time i gotta wait and see what the fuck happens now like, yeah yeah so one thing that i definitely wanted to talk to you about because i'm curious man like so you and I are definitely, we started out as dating coaches um, and we both were kind of crushing it like that. I'm obviously continuing to keep that going, but I saw you, I don't know how long ago it was. It was definitely a few months ago, at least um, to where you at least started announcing that you're doing less dating. And I thought it seemed like you're going more towards relationships and wanting to help people with relationships. Um, so yeah, do you kind of want to talk about that? Like I'm, I'm more interested to hear like, how you even got into dating uh, as like a profession in the first place and then how you even decided to start transitioning out and doing bigger and better things, you know? Yeah. I mean, for dude, for me, it was just like, I need a certain level of, of fulfillment and growth for me to be able to really be in something. And so when I first got into dating, it was just because I wanted to learn how to date women. I had no idea. So I went through this long process. I had a lot of different mentors and yeah. it was fun. You know, it was exciting to be able to go out and pick up girls and get numbers and go on dates and, you know, sleep with new girls and all this stuff and get my dating and sex life handled. But there's a certain cap where like, I think there's two sides. There's excitement, but then there's fulfillment and fulfillment doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be exciting, but it's going to make you, it's the thing that's going to make you happy. Whereas excitement Sure, there's a lot of stimulus and variety and all these things, but it's not as fulfilling for you. It's not going to make you happy. So at some point, at least for me, I realized, okay, I'm going out every weekend. I'm still hitting on chicks. I've slept with all these women. I've dated all these women, but I'm not feeling happy. Like I'm not fulfilled anymore. This isn't, this isn't even getting fun for me anymore because it's just the same old thing. It's like, it's like a repeated pattern. And yeah. so at that time, um, it almost felt like the universe kind of connected because I, I met my current girlfriend at that time and, uh, I was still going out and I was telling her like, I don't want a relationship because I was so blocked off to the idea. And this is where I think a lot of the pickup and all the dating shit is, is actually hurting men because they're basically telling men like, no, if you're in a relationship, you're, you're basically a bitch or like you're a simp or all this stuff. Yeah. And so I was completely blocked off to the idea of like getting into a relationship until, uh, and, and she was very like accepting and very like open and, and vulnerable. And, uh, she was just there, you know? And so over time, when you spend time with a girl, obviously a, a relationship just naturally starts to, to happen. And so I got into a relationship and I was like, wow, this feels better. This feels more right this feels more on par with where I am with what I want to do in my life. And so that's when I realized, okay, I don't want to be going out anymore and hitting on girls nonstop and doing all this stuff. I want to 
you know, get my relationship handled. And that's a whole different field because it's one thing to go out and attract women and get numbers and go on dates, but it's another thing to be with a woman for a long period of time and be able to communicate effectively and like learn more about yourself and allow her to learn more about herself and uh, learn how to navigate arguments and stuff like that, which I never experienced because I know I was never in one. And so uh, it was a new journey for me because I was like, well, this is fun now. Like I'm learning something new. Like yeah. I have to learn this to, to be in a relationship. It's that next step. And I realized a lot of the guys I was working with, they weren't, they were kind of like me. They didn't want to get laid and, you know, just have endless sex. Like they wanted to go on dates so that they can get into a relationship. So I just switched everything around, man. Like I switched up my dating program strictly for, for guys who want to go on dates so that they can get into a relationship. Like the ultimate goal is a relationship because that's where I am and that's what I wanted to do. Uh, and that's what I wanted to learn. And so I switched things up around and I even started a new channel just to teach guys more personal development based stuff. How do you become a better man? How do you become a more high value man? Because that's ultimately, even if you do want to get laid, that's ultimately what's going to get you laid. So yeah, man. And I think it's just every time that I feel this sense of lack of growth or lack of fulfillment, it's like peeling the layers of the onion back. I just have to go into the next thing and the next thing that's going to make me feel happy and fulfilled. And uh, over the last few months, I've been doing that. I've been really going on a kind of spiritual journey of just figuring myself out more. Uh, I've been getting therapy. I've been you know, focusing on my health, focusing on optimizing my health. Uh, Cause at this point my business is kind of stable. So yeah, I've just been focusing on myself and I'm, I'm starting to peel back another layer of the onion of, of what I want to do. So it's, it's, it's just a natural progression. And I think guys will go through it over time. Anyways, every guy has to deal with it. Yeah. It's interesting hearing you say that because honestly I can totally relate to everything you just said there. Um, because I don't know about you, but like when I first got into the dating space, it seemed like the general vibe was like exactly what you said. If you get into a relationship, you're a pussy, you're a simp, right? And it yeah. was like approach more women, approach more women, get more, get more lays or whatever, right? And for me, I never, I, I kind of rolled around with guys who were in that mentality. But for me, I knew I don't on a human to human level really relate to any of these people but we're on the same mission where we want to get good with girls. Right. Um, and I think I came to the same conclusion long-term that, yeah, it's great to get good at going out and approaching a lot of women, attracting a lot of women, being able to pull a girl home consistently and kind of know where you messed up if it didn't work out. But, uh, I kind of felt similar in the sense that you realize, at least for me, I, I hit a point where I realized I've had this night when I go out and I'm going about to go approach women I'm like, I've had this exact night hundreds of times. I know exactly what's going to happen um, because I've felt these exact feelings. I've gone through the same motions over and over and over again to where it kind of lost its appeal. And at the same time, uh, I just felt like it was, it was lonely. You know, you, you meet these girls, you text them for a couple of weeks, you hook up with them a couple of times, but then because you're so focused on trying to improve and trying to get the next one, you're not even realizing how many of these potential relationships you're sacrificing with women who are great women. Right. So right. for me, like 
I think when I got into a relationship, it was because I realized I, I wanted to stop being lonely. I'm curious, like with you, was it a specific moment before, like when, before you even got into approaching women, was it a specific moment or a specific girl for you that really inspired you to start getting into improving yourself? Or was it just like, I'm tired of not being good with women? Um, dude, I mean, it was actually by accident. Like <laughs> I got into all the dating stuff by accident. Like it was not deliberate. I wasn't searching up on Google or YouTube, how to meet women. Like it was completely accident. So for me, it was, that was the biggest thing. Um, is that, I mean, before I started going out and meeting women, I had clinical depression. Um, I was diagnosed OCD, like all these things. And so I already was starting at the very bottom. Like, dude, there was times where like people would speak to me and I literally could not say a word. I would like shake in fear because I had so much social fear. And, you know, it all came from a lot of traumas that I faced. I, I grew up in a home where I was seeing violence all the time and all the shit. So for me, I didn't even have in my head the possibility that I could change and I could get girls. So I wasn't even searching it up. I was like, well, this is life. Um, and at the time I had like three friends who were just very similar to me and they were all fucked up in their own sense. And one of them found out about mystery and the game, the book, the game. And so he brought it up to us. And for the first time I was like, holy shit, there's this whole universe that I, I didn't even know about. Yeah. And he would put on these little seminars at our houses together. He's just reiterating the information that he was seeing. And uh, we, he's like, all right, we got to go out and do this. And this is like, we're in high school. Like we're like 16, 17 years old. Um, so he's like, we got to go out and do this. And we started going to a mall and we were going to a mall every single day. And I went to that mall every single day for four months straight before I approached one girl. Damn. Every single day. So for me, it was just, I had to just walk around. I would walk around. And the only reason I approached that girl after four months is because all my friends were doing it already. And my friend called me a bitch. He's like, dude, you're, you're a pussy. You shouldn't even talk. Like you're a bitch, man. You, you don't even know what you're talking about. And it pissed me off so much that I ended up approaching her. And so, but that was like the catalyst. That was the moment where I was like, holy fuck. Like I just did something that goes so against what I believed that I could do or was my identity. Yeah. And at that, that moment I realized, okay, if I can do this, if I can approach this girl and I didn't think that's possible and I didn't think this is who I am and I didn't think that this is my identity and this was possible for me at all, then what more is possible? You know, who can I actually become? Like at that point, moment, I really started to question my identity. I started to question who I was and, and everything that I'd faced and whether it was just all you know, make believe and that, you know, you actually get to choose who you want to become. You actually get to choose who you are and you do it with choices. And so that was the catalyst. I got addicted. I got hooked to the feeling of just like the, the exhilaration of being able yes. to overcome that fear. And, you know, from there, the, the rest is, the rest yeah. is. Did you ever play sports growing up? I didn't, man. I was actually a really fat kid. Really? Yeah, I was really chubby. I was I was super fat. Uh, That's interesting because now you're like a pretty skinny guy. I'm a pretty skinny dude. Um, I I was fat. I would say until like grade eleven, and then 
for some reason I hit a growth spurt and I also wasn't eating at the time and I became yeah. really skinny. I was like six feet and 135 pounds. So, uh, so how, what, how big were you before you lost all the weight? I was, I believe 165, but I wasn't, I wasn't six feet. Like I was, I was a lot shorter. So I was just this very chubby dude. Um, and I remember specifically wearing oversized clothing because I was embarrassed. Like I, I didn't have any confidence in myself. So I used to wear oversized clothing and just to answer, you know, like, Oh yeah, I'm wearing over, oversized clothing because I like rap, but it was just because I didn't have any confidence in myself because yeah. I was, I was fat. You actually like rap for real? No, I like rap. <laughs> I wasn't, <laughs> I did like rap. Like I, I remember like, Back in back in that, those times, I used to listen to a lot of Fifty Cent. Like that was my shit. <laughs> in the club. Yeah, in the club. Like, man, Fifty Cent. I used to get all his albums. I used to buy all of his albums and stuff. Yeah. So is is he your uh, is he your favorite? Favorite rapper? Um, maybe not now, but back then he was like for sure. Yeah. I mean, the only people who were like really rapping back then was like Fifty Cent, Dr. Dre. Yeah. Uh, Eminem. Like Lil those, Wayne, Lil Wayne, I didn't listen, all the rage, bro. Yeah, I don't listen to that much Lil Wayne actually. I wasn't what? a big fan, yeah. Because back in the day, I remember Lil Wayne being like, I remember Lil Wayne being like, okay, this guy's like what we have now. We would say like future or like. Um, I can't do future. I I just feel like he's. I feel like he sounds like a normal fucking dude with a deep voice and he just goes on and just spews <laughs> gibberish, bro. Yeah, he is gibberish. But like <laughs> that's that's what we used to say about Lil Wayne. We used to be like, oh man, this is gibberish, bro. Like Yeah. Cents, like fifty cents the real era. And I'm I'm sure like generations before were also saying the same shit, like, ah, oh, fifty cents crap, like bust the rhymes is this, you know, like this yeah. just happens generation to generation. You know what's funny about fifty cent? I just realized this. I used to love 50 Cent, his music. I remember in middle school, I would sit there on yahoomusic.com and I would look up the lyrics and I'd have the lyrics open up in one tab. And I'd be just hitting it on replay, bro. Just keep listening to the same song until I get the rap down. So I did that with Eminem songs, 50 Cent songs in, in middle school. And um, I lost respect for 50 Cent one day. It was just one moment because I saw him uh on espn i don't know if you saw this clip aaron andrews who's like this hot blonde chick was going through the crowd at some nascar event and she runs into 50 cent in this crowd and 50 cent goes oh hey kind of like a thirsty dude like waiting for a girl to come talk to him and he literally tried to go in and kiss her on the cheek and she completely ignored him because she's working bro she's like on the job and on camera right now it's live and he totally got rejected and me i wasn't even good with girls at the time but i saw that and i was like Oh, maybe 50 Cent isn't all that, you know? And so yeah, ever since then, I stopped listening to him. He probably got more girls than, than we ever have in our entire lives. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever, um, you know, so right now, would you say, what is, are you putting out a lot of content right now? And is, and if so, what is it related to? Is it dating related or what is it? Um, well, I have a new channel called The High Value Man. Okay. So honestly, I just upload whatever kind of content I feel like I, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be pushed down into a category anymore. Like 
at this point, like my business is doing well that I don't want to be like, Oh, I'm this guy or I'm that guy. Like I just want to release content that I think is going to help guys become literally the, the most attractive, most high value version of themselves. So, I mean, last video that I released, it's called how to overcome your uh, fear of approaching woman before that, how to find a supportive girlfriend. Is she the one, you know, three real ways to stop being broke. Like it doesn't have to do with dating, but it's just like, I think it would be helpful. Yeah. Dude, I love that shit. Um, one thing that I don't know where we heard it, but me and Chris, who's sitting off camera right now, um, you can see him on zoom, but on this camera, we can't see him. Uh, so me and Chris have been kind of brainstorming one of our own offers. And we realized like, if you want, like, I, I don't know, I'm sure you've thought about this, but, uh, like for one of my programs, I have to get guys to believe like multiple ideas that probably seem unrelated if they're not in the context of my program. Right. And so one thing that we came up with was, uh, kind of like what Dan Locke does. He has something called the wealth triangle. He's like, these are the three things you need. You need health or not wealth, <laughs> not health. Uh, he, what is it? High income skills. What help me out, Chris. Yeah. I don't think Dan Locke is the healthiest guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's high income skills. It's, High return investment. High return investment. And a scalable business. And a scalable business, right? And so that's his triangle. And so now because he has that triangle and he talks about it as his model, he's able to make content around any one of those things and it still fits for his audience. And so um, maybe I guess when you were saying that, you you kind of have one thing that's like money related and then some dating and relationship related. What if you kind of literally made it a visual model and was like, listen, my goal is to turn you into the most uh, high value version of yourself. And that includes these three aspects. And so now you're not pigeonholed into just one. Does that make sense? What are your thoughts? Yeah. I, I mean, we have, a, we have a process called MPL. So it's mindset process lifestyle. Mm. And so any kind of content I create, as long as it fits into them ha having a better mindset about themselves, higher sense of self-esteem, confidence, um, better inner thoughts, as long as they understand the process of like, how do I become attractive? How do I talk? How do I do all these things? And then lifestyle, how do you actually have a good lifestyle? You know, how do you uh, manage women, dating, relationships, friends, money, um, all this stuff into one, then you're going to have a good life in, in my opinion, as long as you have those three things. And so even within myself, I always ask myself like, where am I lacking? Am I lacking in mindset right now? Am I lacking in process oriented stuff? Or am I lacking in like fitting this stuff into who I am and my, my personal lifestyle? Where's the, you know, discrepancy. So that's how I go about things. And anytime I try to create content, like you, like you said, like, yeah, go off the, the triangle. That's, that's basically it. Yeah. That's dope. Um, I guess the reason I asked you if you were still putting out some content, uh, is cause I was curious, have you ever, um, seen those videos where, um, they kind of break down like the celebrity and stuff like a charisma on com command that channel. Yeah. <clears throat> I was thinking about, um, <laughs> Oh, it's all related to the 50 cent topic. I was thinking about how, um, I saw 50 cent and I was, I actually, for one of my programs broke down Chelsea handler. Cause I saw how she was like verbally kind of going back and forth with banter with Russell brand. And I saw an interview she did with 50 cent. And even on the same line, I think because my impression was skewed because of that one time I saw him get rejected by Aaron Andrews, um, I was like, oh, let's see if the 50 Cent has any real game for real. And I remember Chelsea Handler was like super into him, but his game was like nothing. 
right? He was just like, oh, you're cute. What are you doing later? And I'm like, I guess, I guess it works. So it must work for his vibe. Yeah, I mean, at, at this point, he probably has so much status that he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> just like, dude, I, I don't care. I have all the money in the world. I can get any girl. Like, yeah. at that point, it's just like, how can I do it the fastest way possible? Like, I don't care about, like, convincing right. this girl or, like, coming across this way or that way. It's just like, this is who I am. And, and you either accept it or you don't. Yeah, interesting. So you're are you still in Toronto, bro? Uh, I'm in Toronto right now. I mean, not downtown core. I, I could never live downtown core, but yeah, I'm in Toronto. Okay. Um, Cause one thing that surprised me when I went there, I've only been to Canada once and it was like, I don't know, eight months ago. Um, it was Toronto. I was surprised by two things. One weed is like super chill there. Like everybody smokes weed there. Like I was there on a Friday night and it seemed like more people were in line to go into the dispensary than there were in line to get into any bar or club that I saw, which was really interesting. And like, I waited in that line and I was like, yo, this is way more fun than going to the bar or club where you got a bunch of belligerent people trying to like flex on everybody. Everybody here is so chill because they're all fucking stoners. Um, yeah. I mean, we have, we have legal weed. So it's like, that's probably why. And it recently became legal. So, I mean, people were really going off, but Dude, they started closing down all these places because um, Canada wants to control like, so we have something called LCBO, which is like the liquor uh, board or license or whatever. So if you want to buy alcohol, you have to go to the LCBO or the beer store to buy it. You can't, you can't go into a grocery store or we recently, we started doing grocery store with wines, but it's still LCBO, but you can't go into like, in the U.S., I remember I went to a convenience store and they had alcohol everywhere. I was like, what the fuck? Like, you can just sell it anywhere you want, whereas in, in Canada, we can't do that. So they started trying to um, manage the weed the same way as they do with alcohol. It's by a border or by the government. And you can go online and buy it from, like, the Ontario government website. But they started shutting down, like, all of these stores because, you know, the government doesn't necessarily make any money from it. Yeah. Did they shut it down because of the coronavirus or was this separate? No, this was before it, man. Like they were raiding these stores, like straight up raiding them. But then people would like, people, they money that it didn't matter once they raided them. And then they would just open up a new one and then they would make more money and then they would get raided again and then they would just open up a new one. So they just kept doing that. Dang. The, yeah. What do you think about that industry as a whole? Do you feel like it's, it's only going to go up from here or you feel like, where do you think they are as an industry, bro? I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not a, I guess I'm not a weed expert, but like, <laughs> I have, I have, um, I have stocks in Aurora cannabis and, uh, another company and Aurora cannabis, like fucking tanked, like tanked so hard. And I had like not that much money. I had five hundred dollars invested into it, but like it's seventeen dollars right now. And I got in. Let me show you. I got in at a hundred. Sorry, I got in at fifty dollars, and it's seventeen. So <laughs> I lost a pretty pretty good deal of money on that. Dang. But I mean, dude. I mean, everyone's gonna want weed. Like it's not gonna go away. It's something that people self medicate with. Um, 
I don't know. I try not to smoke too much because I know if I smoke too much, like it, it fucks with me after some time. Like I start to become very lazy and like sleep a lot, of course, and eat a lot. And then it just, it just messes with me. Whereas like, if I don't smoke that much weed, I feel like testosterone just like surging through me. I'm ready to crush life. Yeah, no, I definitely relate to that too. Um, and I'll find myself going through phases as well, where when I originally started, <clears throat> I literally did it at night once because my roommates at the time had like vape pens. And so I hit it at night after I was done working. Cause, um, up to that point in my life, if I've ever, if I had ever gotten high, um, it was only a handful of times and I always hated it. I felt like I was just not in control, you know? And, um, but just like the little vape pen, I realized I was like way more creative and I was still like trying to mentally work through anything that I was experiencing with trying to get my business to take off online. And I just started having more creative solutions. And so I'd sit down and instantly ideas would be flowing. And I felt like, you know, it hit me with inspiration instantly. And I was like, yo, I know it's not good to rely on a substance to access a state, but if it's that easy, um, then how do I use this to my advantage? And so for me, it was literally a thing that I would hit a vape pen at night, like right before bed. Um, but then, like you said, you eventually get so normalized to the, what it feels like to get high. And eventually you start learning how to control it. And you're like, well, what would happen if I hit it in the middle of the day? Well, what would happen if I hit it like right when I wake up as I'm making breakfast? And so, yeah, I definitely see myself going through phases. So I see like the dangers in that as well. Um, and it's funny cause J max, I was talking to him a couple weeks ago and he said the exact same thing. He said his relation, he likes it, but he has, he goes through phases like that too. Yeah. And I mean, I lived with J max, so I, I know what he's talking about. Like he smoked a lot of weed. Really? Uh, well, like, yeah, dude, I, I, I realized for myself, if I, well, one, when I smoke a lot of weed, I get all up in my head, like just constant thoughts. And then two, I start to get more tired and less energy. I start to eat a lot and I tend to make eating decisions that are not good. Like not, I'm not eating fucking broccoli when I smoke weed. Like I'm eating chocolates and candy and like sweets. And then sure you sleep a lot faster, but I realize when, cause I track my sleep and stuff, my sleep quality actually goes down. My deep sleep goes down, even though I'm sleeping longer and I'm sleeping uh, a lot quicker. So for me, I was like, well, it doesn't add any other benefit other than fun. Like it's yeah. purely recreational. Um, so I smoke weed from time to time. Like, I don't know, once every month, maybe once every three months, but like, it's just recreational. I, I can't do a couple months ago. I tried to smoke weed and do some work and it was like fucking impossible. Man. It was really? not, I could not do it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think uh, honestly, it's it's funny because I I felt the exact same ways. Like I hated weed, and I you know what's really ironic? I've always felt like you and I had like similar features in like appearance, like the beard, the dark features. We're both dating coaches, and even hearing your story, bro. Like I had a very similar story in the sense that I struggled with being the fat kid my whole life, bro. Um, when I was in eighth grade. So I actually hit my growth spurts young. So I, I don't even, I, I like to believe that it was a law of attraction ordeal. And this is probably where I realized I was a really competitive motherfucker. Cause when I was in preschool, 
like, I don't know if you have any memories from when you're three, you ever r randomly like remember childhood memories from like three or four. Yeah. So I remember I went to preschool and I was so scared of like these new people. Cause up until that point in my life, I'd only been around my parents. Right. And I'd been at home and now I have to go to school during the day. It's preschool. It's this random ass lady. I remember thinking that lady who's the preschool teacher, her name was Mrs. Wells. I thought she reminded me of the villain from Power Rangers. And that was like my favorite show as a kid. So I would intentionally just like ignore her. If she spoke to me, I wouldn't make eye contact with her and I wouldn't look at her and I wouldn't acknowledge the fact that she was speaking to me. And I remember my parents got pissed at her because she tried to schedule like a meeting, private meeting. She came to my house and everything and was telling my parents like, I think Patrick has learning disabilities and he's also deaf. And my parents are like, bitch, are you crazy? This motherfucker is not deaf. We've lived with this kid ever since he was born. He is not deaf. And I remember my dad got pissed at her. But um, so anyways, what was I saying about fucking, this is the weed, bro. I forgot the whole point of the fucking preschool <laughs> story. Oh, yeah. So the height. Um, I remember they like, they had this big ass piece of paper that they taped to the wall and they measured the height of every kid in my class. And this is the first time I'm interacting with this many kids at once. And I remember my height was like right in the middle of the pack. And I was like looking forward to being the tallest because I saw the kid, every, the tallest pe person in class, like the teacher's like, oh, you're tall. And I was like, oh, instant status. You get validation if you're tall. And I was so bummed that I was in the middle of the pack as a three-year-old that literally the next time they measured our height that year, I was the tallest kid in class and I was the tallest kid all the way through un until high school in my class. And so I hit my growth spurts young and I don't know if that was just cause I, I like willed my way into growing. <laughs> um, but when I was in eighth grade, I was six foot one and I was 250 pounds and I was fat wow. as fuck. And I remember my dad, I was, I, I, my whole dream, my whole life was to go to the NBA. And my dad was like, you you know, if you're 300 pounds, you're never going to go play, play in the NBA. And he said that to me in sixth grade. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to get 300 pounds. Well, come eighth grade, I'm 250 and I'm fat as fuck and I'm still wanting to play basketball. And I played basketball every day. And so I just kind of told myself, I'm going to go on a diet. And so um, at the time I was eating a hell of a lot of junk food. I just stopped eating junk food and I stopped drinking soda. And, and like my parents would also take me to McDonald's and Burger King pretty much every day. And so whenever they, we, they would make me go there for, for my next meal, uh, rather than getting a burger and fries and soda, I would get water and just fries, no burger and no soda. And so in that process, literally in one summer, at the end of eighth grade, I was 250. Freshman year, I was 170. Nobody even recognized me. And so ever since then, I've maintained my, my figure, if you will. But yeah, man, it's interesting to hear like how you and I both had struggled with our weight similar early on. And then you almost got to wonder, did that affect us on a confidence level with women to the point where we had to overcome it? And then we eventually got so good to where we wanted to be dating coaches. Maybe that's the formula, bro. If you're fat, you can become a dating coach. <laughs> that, that probably, I mean the way I see, I see it is like, if you have disadvantages, um, it'll probably work out for you in your favor because now you got a chip on your shoulder and you got something to prove. Did it help me? I don't know. Maybe I could have been way better off if 
I did have more confidence to, to start off early on. And I wish my parents, you know, I, I didn't grow up in the best home and I wish they gave me better food um, in the sense that like I didn't eat McDonald's every day and they knew about nutrition and they, they passed it on to me in that way and I didn't have to do it myself. And maybe that would have helped me have better confidence and put me in a better position in life. But the way I see it is like, things worked out the way it did. I was fat. I had to learn all these things. I had to lose weight. I got into boxing. I did all these different stuff that I wouldn't have experienced if, if it hadn't been for this. And so for me, it's like everything that that's happening in your life happened for a specific reason. Like there is no doubt in my mind that everything is happening as planned. Um, because with everything that's happened, I'm like, Oh, this happened because of this, you know, in the future at that, at that time, it didn't make sense, but this happened because of this, like it, it makes sense now. Uh, this girl, you know, this happened because of this. It makes sense now. There's a lesson behind it. It, it made me grow. And so that's the way I view it. Maybe, maybe if things were different and I didn't grow up fat, it would have been better, but yeah. I won't know. Yeah. <clears throat> well, when you think about it like that, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, what if, you, what if you were always the good looking kid? What if you were always the guy who got the attention from women? But on the same token, like, my best friend to this day was that guy. And he was my best friend from like kindergarten, basically. Right. And we were polar opposites to best friends. And, um, to this day, like, well, now if we go out to a club, obviously I'm going to do a lot better if we're trying to get women. But, uh, but even still he gets laid a lot, but the moral of the story is he has no motivation to learn game. And in fact, at this point, I think if he did, even try any of the game that I that I use and teach, it would probably fuck him up more, put him more in his head, which is exactly why he gets results because he's absolutely not in his head and doesn't give a fuck. Um, so it's interesting because like I don't think his game is as good as mine because I work on it and I try to constantly improve it. But he also has no motivation to like improve his game because he's always been that dude. You know what I'm saying? So it's interesting to see who who the fuck knows because your your motivations change too. Yeah, and, and, like, dude, if you think about it, like, there's people in Hollywood, for example, who are born into rich families, uh, good-looking, good bodies. Like, they have everything they want. And they grow up either becoming complete fucking dicks. Like, there's people who I know who are, like, they have everything, but they're just assholes. Or they just become very depressed. And they're, they're very like in a bad place in life and they start doing drugs and they look for all this stuff. And so I don't know, man, I think having a lot of trauma in your life and there's a good book um, called anti-fragile that talks about, it. it's like having all these things that are non-optimal in your life are only opportunities for you to be able to use to grow where other people aren't going to be able to, because they do actually have it better. And so for me, like all the shit that's happened, like I'm actually thankful for it in, in my life because I'm like, you know what? Like these things are, are, are what made me. These things are what like made me a stronger person. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to my therapist the other week and she's like, I got to give it to you, Mo. Like you've been through a lot of shit. Uh, and the fact that like you're still here and like you're this strong and you've, you've been able to be successful and do all these things, like it's very, very impressive. 
And I don't think I would have been able to have all these things if I didn't go through all of it. I don't, I don't think that if I hadn't been through mental, physical abuse, been through a lot of traumas, watched one of my friends die in front of me, uh, had girls cheat on me like multiple times in relationships, been in narcissistic relationships, I wouldn't be able to get to this point where I have the things that I want. Like it just wouldn't have happened. And so at the time, sure, it fucking sucked. And I'm like, man, I wish I wasn't in this situation. But dude, it's like, it, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here. Like, I, I don't know where I would be. And I'm pretty good with where I'm at right now. So I'm actually thankful for it. Yeah. I feel like that's one of the biggest moments in one's life is the moment they realize that all this shit that they've had to go through up to that point actually made them gave them the motivation and the drive to to improve in the first place. Because if someone does come out of it, like you and I have, but obviously like, I feel like you've been through a lot more stuff just hearing your, your breakdown, like um, of kind of the stuff you've been through. I definitely didn't have it bad by any means, but I feel like those chip on the shoulder moments are really what, what even changes the trajectory trajectory of where you end up. Cause obviously you and I would have never become dating coaches. Had we always been that guy who is great with girls, you know, right. um, I'm curious though. So you mentioned a lot of, a lot of stuff that I had no clue about. Um, you don't have to go into it if you don't want to, but like, dude, you watched a friend die in your arms. Was he in your arms? Well, he wasn't in my arms. He was in the ICU. Um, this was a close family friend of mine and, and he went through a drug overdose. So yeah, we had to pull the plug. I had to watch that in front of me. It's, it was very traumatic, but like looking back on it, it was like, you know what this, it gives you a different appreciation for life where you're just like, wow, like at any moment, any moment it can be taken away. And so there is nothing else other than the present. And sometimes I have to remind myself of that because if I'm being honest, the last two months, I, I've been going through some depressive episodes where I'm like, well, what's the point of life? Very kind of nihilistic. And so I started getting therapy, which has been very helpful, very helpful. It's been a game changer. Um, and, you know, I, I have to constantly remind myself that like, this is, this is almost a gift. Like you have a one in trillion chance of being alive on this planet. And like, you are here and you didn't have a choice, but you are here. So you might as well like do something with it. You might as well do something epic. You might as well have fun. You might as well love. You might as well give. You might as well. Like there's, there's no other choice. So I don't know. That's, that's the way I see it. And like all the shit that I've been through, it's like, it's actually helped me in, in terms of becoming a lot more resilient uh, in life. There's not much that can affect me in a, in a very negative manner. Anything that happens to me now, I'm like, I'll be fine. <laughs> like, as long as it doesn't kill me, I'll be fine. I can get through it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's perfect. Is like having that perspective makes you realize exactly, like you said, how resilient you are. Um, and it's almost like when you, when you realize the stuff that you have been through to get you here, like you don't worry about the same minute shit that most people worry about. For example, I dropped out of dental school to try to start a YouTube channel about dating advice. Right. And I was broke for a couple of years until that thing gained any traction until I came out with an actual program that I could sell that people actually wanted. And in that time, I got a job as a server at a restaurant in Old Town Scottsdale. And I remember um, there was another girl who was kind of a new hire at the same time as me at that restaurant. 
<laughs> and we had to take this like written test, like a fill in the blank test of like the food on the menu. And she's talking to me and she's like, are you nervous? Are you pretty nervous about this test? And I, I haven't studied for the test, right? It's a fucking job at a restaurant. I used to study for fucking to be a dentist, like a fucking doctor. And I, and I realized like I'd gone through almost like self trauma. Cause I didn't really have a lot of people to get me through that time. It just, the way I got through it was honestly just kind of buckling down and not focusing on anything else. But I realized when she asked me that I was like, why the fuck would I be nervous about this stupid fucking test at this stupid fucking restaurant? Right. And I think I just realized I have higher, more important problems in my life that than this fucking test. Cause if, I mean, let's say I fail this test and I get fired. Well, I already dropped out of dental school and I already got a job at a random restaurant. I can just go to the restaurant right next door and get another job. Um, and so I, even for me thinking that way, I just think most people don't have that type of perspective. Um, it was almost the same with dental school. I was like, if I, if I fail as an entrepreneur, I can just go back to dental school, you know? Right. I mean, yeah, dude, it, it doesn't even have to be big traumas, right? Like, like you told yourself, it's like, I had to put myself through, through all this shit. And when I was doing tests for dental school and so even a small thing like that, like a small trauma event or a small difficult event, it doesn't have to necessarily be trauma, just anything with difficulty. It just builds character, man. Like you start to become more rougher on the edges where like shit doesn't affect you easy and you're just more calm. You're more relaxed. You're more grounded. Like I have people ask me all the time, like, you know, dude, you look bored. Right. And I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just enjoying life. Like there's no reason for me to emotionally react to things in such a negative or extremely overtly positive manner either. It's like, uh, I'm almost like an observer at this point because of all the things that I've been through. And I think it's, it's a very good spot to be in because most people, like you, like you said, they are overreacting to things like little shit that doesn't matter. It's like, it's like, dude, I'm, I'm in this much debt. It's like, so what? <laughs> this, this thing called debt is self-created. You're going to die one day and the planet's going to blow up into little pieces because of the sun that's going to burst. And this thing called debt does not matter at all in this yeah. long scheme of things. Or like people will be like, oh my, you know, this person broke up with me. Or like, uh, you know, they'll try to create all these self-dramas because they're bored with life and they, don't, they haven't been through any hard shit and so they'll try to create all these problems that's essentially making them unhappy and it's like dude if you if you just put yourself through the ringer and you go through a lot of shit in your life and you go through all these experiences then you won't try to create self-drama or you won't try to create all these bullshit um problems for yourself when they're so small and so minute and so like doesn't matter um, because you're just more grounded. You're an observer. You're not like, for example, my girlfriend, uh, the other month, she like, she was coming out of the garage, hit the side of my car and it just basically fucked the side of my car up. Right. Like just completely tore to the side of my car. Up. And she's calling me. She like calls me while I'm working. She's like, Oh my God, can you come out? Can you come out? And I'm like, sure. What the fuck happened? Like, I thought she like, someone died or someone got killed and so i go out and she's just standing beside the car crying uh because the side of it was was messed up now obviously she's more feminine she's in the 
emotional state. But for me, I was like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, just drive to work. Yeah. And she's like, are you sure? Like, I'm so, so sorry. Like, da, da, da. I'm like, no, it's cool. Like, <laughs> it's just a fucking car. Like, who cares? Yeah. And so I feel like most people don't have that perspective because they haven't been through shit. Like, their life has been so monotonous and normal that they have to create problems. And it's like, oh, I didn't get my fucking second cup, uh, you know, order right. And they create these little problems because they haven't been through the fucking ringer. And I almost like feel like if people just put themselves through shit and challenge themselves and and make life a little harder for themselves. And this is what um, David Goggins talks about in his book is like, he tried to specifically make hard life hard on himself. Like, doing these ridiculous challenges where you have nothing to prove to anybody. You don't have to do them. <laughs> like he didn't have to run across the fucking world and piss blood and do all He didn't have to, he just didn't. There was nothing to prove. He wasn't getting a prize. Like there's nothing there, but he did it because he realized if I do this, I become a completely different person because I put myself through so much shit that the little stuff that people worry about just won't fucking matter anymore. Like it just won't. And you become so much more calm. It's almost like being a more enlightened person. It's like, you're just grounded. Shit doesn't affect you easily. You're, you're a rough stone, you know? So that's the way I, I kind of view it in, in terms of, in terms of uh, trauma and going, going through shit. Yeah. That's interesting. <clears throat> Cause you, we went, kind of went from uh, talking about like the stuff that you've been through to like David Goggins, he's an interesting example because um, it almost seems like, like you said, like he does the stuff that he knows he doesn't want to do just because he knows it'll make him better, which to some degree, like you were kind of implying, like that is what makes him not reactive to certain things. So do you think maybe it also takes like a daily discipline as well to, to stay in that mindset? Because, you know, I don't, I don't want to act like even though I've been through some shit, or at least had like some fi real financial troubles and like real like rejection to where I'm dropping out to start a YouTube channel about dating advice and not a single person I know is supporting that decision and thinks I'm retarded. Um, uh, but at the same time, I still go through moments where something small will piss me off or something small will, will like get me fired up. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely react. But I think like you said, it is something like, David Goggins, he still to this day does shit he doesn't want to do just for the sake of making himself better. Do you feel like it is required? And if so, what is that for you? Dude, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I don't think you can get to a point where you're just like never pissed off unless like, unless you dedicate your entire life to being a monk. Like really, if you do that, then sure. Like, you know, you're going to, you're going to get enlightened and be, be at this point where like nothing pisses you off. Uh, when, when I mean like, when I said like things don't piss me off, I meant in the sense that it's really hard. It, it becomes really hard. Like I've gotten mad. I've gotten angry within the past month. I've gotten pissed off. I've, uh, I've gotten, um, you know, emotionally sad. You know, emotions are, are there for a reason. They're, they're there as signals for you to change something. But it takes a lot out of me now to be able to get there. It takes a lot out of me. Now, as for doing it on a daily basis, um, honestly, I could use discipline myself. Like there's times where like I'll wake up late and I'll like 
you know, fucking sleep in through my alarm. Like that shit's, I think is normal. Like every person deals with that. Yeah. Uh, I try to detox myself from dopamine as much as possible. So I actually recently deleted all social media off my phone. And the only time I actually use it is when I need to upload something. So I'll download it, upload something, immediately delete it. Um, making life more simpler will make it easier for you to not get pissed off with the little shit. If you're the kind of person where you're waking up and you're on your social media all day and that's, you're so focused on that and now it's creating all this anxiety within you and because you have anxiety, you feel frustrated and then someone orders uh, or you order something at second cup and it comes wrong. Yeah, you're gonna get stopped because your emotions through so much throughout the entire day because you've been through all this all this bullshit that you put yourself through because of all this dopamine. So I try to get rid of dopamine. Uh, I try to be a little bit more disciplined. Over the last few months, I've done stuff just make me more happy. Like I don't care about getting a Lamborghini or I don't care about having all this cool stuff. Like I don't care about what I used to care about. Like for me, honestly, going on nature hikes, eating good food spending time with my girlfriend, spending time with my friends, um, spending time with family, just seeing my dad and like being able to hug him and talk to him, you know, doing stuff like that, that essentially is, is what people I feel like should be doing more of. I feel like people are so focused on how they look towards other people and getting all these things that they think they want because society says that it's cool, but they don't actually want it. They just want it to get the approval of society. Like that's what is essentially going to make you so stressed to the point where if someone, if you get a wrong order, you're going to get pissed off because you've, you're dealing with so much anxiety on a daily basis because of all this shit. So just ridding yourself of all of these anxieties and all these ex expectations and living life in a happier way, doing things very minimalistically. Like for me now, I, all I know is like, okay, I just need the sun. I just need nature. I just need my girlfriend. I just need my friends. I need family and a little bit of money to feel comfortable. That's it. I don't want to be this guy who's a multimillionaire and has like girls and mansions and this and looking cool on social media and all this shit because it doesn't make me happy. Like I don't care anymore. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's basically the gist. Yeah. So, so what is, what would you say is your, almost like an external motivation if you have one like what drives you every day to get up to grind the gears to fucking work on your shit what motivates you what drives you um before i used to say freedom like that was my answer before i was like freedom man like i just want freedom hmm. over the last few months i figured out i already have it we all if you live in a first world country you already have freedom yeah like if you if you're sad that you're working a nine to five job, just get another job. Like you don't have to become a business owner and do all this stuff. You can just get another job that you're kind of happy with, or you can tolerate and you have freedom. Like you have freedom to go outside into nature. You have freedom to hang out with friends. You have freedom of love to choose who you love and who loves you. You, you have all these things without needing anything external, without needing money, without needing all this stuff. So I used to say freedom, but my answer has changed now to just giving back like i just want to give back like that's it for me now my 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 business decisions are made off of like what's gonna just help people like how can i be more curious of how i can help people and how i can give back to them and maybe it comes through my through what i'm doing right now 
Uh, like I told you before we even started this call, I've been partnering up with different brands because I believe in their vision and I believe what they're doing. And I'm like, well, I'm good at marketing. So I've been doing that because it's what makes me happy. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, let's give back through this, you know? Um, so for me now, I've realized what really makes me happy is like being close to family and just giving back as much as possible. And shit, if I make money in the process and I get cool stuff and I, you know, buy cool watches and all this shit, like that's cool, but it's not going to make me happy. It's not necessarily an external motivator for me anymore because I'm like, well, yeah, this, this fucking watch is going to last me. I've only worn it twice after I bought it. Like, you know what I mean? Like it yeah. doesn't, it's not going to make me feel, oh yeah, I got a cool watch or I got a cool car and all this stuff. So at this point for me, it's giving back and just spending as much time with loved ones as possible. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> so there's a, 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 a lot of different things I want to still ask you, right? But I know you have to go here in like 10 minutes or so. Um, yeah. So real quick, on that topic of love, this is going to, I don't want it to sound wrong. Um, because when I was in a relate, I'm in a relationship right now, when me and my girlfriend first said, I love you to each other, right? I said it and I didn't know if I actually meant it at the time because I had never been in real love, like kind of like similar to you. This is my, my first serious relationship after going through the dating and pickup phase where I wanted nothing but to just pick up the next girl, you know? And um, so for me, I, I had a serious like conversation with myself and I was wondering, well, what does it actually mean to be in love? Like, I really, really like this person, to, but does that mean I, like, at what point do I really, 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 really like them to now it's crossed the line and now it's love. And so I guess what for you, I didn't mean to make it a super deep question, but what does it mean like for you when you say love, like, how do you know that you are in love with something? I don't know. I just randomly thought about that when you said that at the end. Your little that, that's a good question i mean for me i had this idea of love before that it was like these gushy feelings yeah. you know it's gonna like make you feel good and like and sure that is to some sense love on a psychological level because you're getting all this oxytocin in your brain and you're getting serotonin and you're getting dopamine and it's just fucking it's like a drug it's like a flood of a drug um but over time, and I'm, I'm sure you've experienced this yourself being in a relationship, it's like that gushy, gushy feeling of love starts to wane. And so it becomes like, okay, this person's now my partner. Like, it's like, we are partners. We're not like this, oh, like gushy, gushy feeling. It's like, I, I love this person because I care about them. I love this person because I want to give to them. And so for me, love is like, you know, if I, if I care about someone and I want to give to them, I love that person. It doesn't necessarily have to be intense feelings. Like, bro, like, I love you, man. Like, you're, you're a cool guy. I, I care about you. I want to give as much value to you. I, I did this call with you and stuff. Like, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be this, like, intense, super feeling of, like, oh, I love this person. And, like, I feel all these feelings. It's like, no, you can love someone just by caring and wanting to give to them. Um, and... And then once I started thinking of it that way, it's like, well, it becomes really hard not to love people. Like you want to care for, for other people and other things and even other like living beings and you want to give to them. So, and I think that's in our innate, innate nature as, as human beings, we have this ability to be able to care and give to other things that other beings may not have. And so for me, um, it got to a point where I was like, 
you know, I just, I just want to experience more of that. I want to experience that human experience of being able to care and give to other people. And so that's how I make my business decisions now. That's how I make every decision that I have within all areas of my life. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so this is the other question I wanted to ask you when you and I hung out literally last year at, in California for that marketing conference we were talking about. Um, I was really surprised to learn when we went out to eat that night that you are, were a vegan. Are you still a vegan? And if so, tell me about that. How'd you get into that? And what, what was it about the vegan diet that appealed to you? Yeah. I mean, I'm not a vegan anymore. So disclaimer, (laughs) I eat meat. Um, so I originally got into veganism because I went on a spiritual retreat and I, I ate vegetarian food while I was there and I felt great. I felt amazing. And then I came back and I, I was, I was eating shrimp and I was like, man, I'm just eating dead skin. Like I'm just eating dead flesh. Yeah. So there was this feeling of like, uh, uh, almost like a moment of consciousness where I was like, well, if I'm causing pain to this thing, and I don't need it, like I can feel really good without it, then why would I do it, you know? So I became vegan and I was vegan for four and a half years. The first two years I felt phenomenal. I've never felt better than the first two years in my entire life. And I think mainly it's because I was just getting more vegetables and more water into my system. So the first two years I felt really, really good. And then after two years, or more like a year and a half, after a year and a half, things started to change. I started noticing lack of energy, uh, not waking up with boners anymore, like um, brain fog, like dark circles under my eyes. My hair wasn't healthy anymore. Like, I'm not sure if you can see it, but like, I I got a fucking full head of hair now. Like before it was like almost like thinning out. And so I continued for another until four and a half years. Like, because I was like, well, no, this has to be the healthiest diet. Like science says so. And then after four and a half years, I started losing beard hair. And the last two weeks of being vegan, I was having vivid dreams every single night of me hunting Uh hunting and eating meat. Like every single night, it was weirdest shit ever. And at the same time, I'm losing hair. And it's almost like the last two and a half, three years of being vegan, um, my body was saying, you're missing nutrients. Like you're fucking missing nutrients. Like you need to stop this shit. And on top of it, I started getting more lazy. So I was eating bad vegan foods. Like, you know, eating bread every day is not good for you. Eating any kind of grains is not good for you. Eating tons and tons of fiber is not good for you. And so I was so stuck in this belief that it was good for me because of all of this health. And I also don't want to hurt, hurt animals. Like I love animals. Like I have a dog right here, like a cute little dog. Yeah. And so I imagine like my dog. And so, but it got to a point where it wasn't about, okay, this diet can help me be healthy and help me thrive or even survive. It was like, I felt like shit. So at that point it's like, all right, well, if I feel like shit with this diet, and I have to kill another animal to feel healthy again. Well, I'm going to choose myself. Like, I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to choose myself and kill another animal. Um, so no, I'm not vegan anymore. I, I was having a lot of bloating and, and intestinal issues. 
ever since I started eating meat, completely gone away. Uh, I'm still dealing with the effects of being vegan, even two two years after stopping. What was that like when you took your first bite of meat? I, I bought fish because the dreams I was having, I was having vivid dreams, bro, of like, I was like in fucking water in nature and I had a spear and I'm like spearing into the fucking water and pulling out fish and I would cook it and eat it like two weeks straight, just like nonstop fucking dreams. So the first thing I did, I was like, I feel like eating fish. And so I went and bought some organic fish, brought it back, ate it. And within like 20 minutes, my brain was starting to fire on all cylinders again. I felt like my brain was working again. For the first time in four years or whatever it was? First time in like two and a half years. And I was like, holy shit, I feel fucking phenomenal. I'm never going back to veganism. So does it suck that I have to kill an animal to feel healthy? Yeah. Uh, but is, you're not killing it though. You're buying it. You're, you're benefiting from the kill. Right. I'm benefiting from the kill. Technically, you're supporting a kill. Um, so I try to buy my meat now from uh, good sources where like they're not caged up all their life and to be honest like agriculture and, and uh, industrial agriculture is fucked up and like I, I don't think i think you would actually be better off being a vegan than eating the uh, standard american diet which is like fucking burgers and shit from uh animals that have been fed diets of like hormones and antibiotics and all that stuff that's not going to help you uh so all all i eat now like clean meat sources clean foods i try to buy organic as much as possible I'm learning more about testosterone. I'm fixing my testosterone again because I think it fucking ruined my health completely. Uh, and it sucks. It's ironic because that's what people say is like all the benefits of being a vegan is like a lot of the stuff that you said you're, you were suffering from because. Yeah. And dude, the first year and a half like felt good, but after your body catches up, I, I did so much research, unbiased research because at the time, the only research I was having was documentaries like and you watch all these documentaries the answer is go vegan uh so i did a lot of unbiased research and i realized holy shit my body dude when i did a blood test my doctor was shocked that there was almost zero cholesterol in my blood which is not a good thing because testosterone is created by cholesterol yeah so you need good cholesterol so my testosterone was taking a hit my health was taking a hit i started having candida which is basically like um an addiction to sugar. And so all these things started to fuck with my body. And I started to learn like, okay, in, in our ancestors, we had things like, um, uh, we had things like, what's the fucking word I'm trying to search for? Collagen in their diet. And collagen only comes from animals, only. Like you cannot get collagen from fucking plant sources. And so like, these things, like I started researching, I'm like, well, my ancestors killed and my nature is very fucking scary. Yeah. Nature is all about killing. And Speaking so of fish, bro, the thing that you ate, those things eat everything, it, small fish, whatever they can fit in their mouth, they'll eat it. Right. And so like they fucking consume animals as well. It's just a cycle. And so I'm lucky that I'm at the top of the animal food chain, uh, or, you know, I'm, you know, we have human brains to be at the top of the Now end. that you're eating meat again, you're at the top. Exactly. And dude, I feel great. My hair started growing back. Like literally everything started growing yeah. back. Uh, hair feels better. Skin is oily again, which is an actual sign. Uh, feeling healthier, feeling better, no bloating. 
And so, yeah, man, I follow a paleo diet because I think it's the healthiest. I think it's how our, how our ancestors ate. And the only reason I had trouble with the ethics of eating animals, because we grew up in a society where we didn't learn, we didn't have to learn how to hunt, where our ancestors did. And so we are desensitized to the thought of killing other animals. And so, but our ancestors are desensitized because they needed it to survive. And so I started to question my own belief of like, well, if my ancestors killed animals in order to be healthy and I need it because it's part of my DNA after doing all of this research and I feel fucking way better then my thoughts of killing an animal, my belief about killing an animal is actually wrong because like, sure, I may not feel good about doing it right now, but that's because in our society, we go out and, and buy meat without having to kill the animal. So we're, we're not desensitized to it. And so I'm going to actually start hunting because I want to be able to kill my, kill an animal myself. And I want to be able to get the meat and be able to feed myself with the meat. Yeah. And I think it's actually a more natural way of doing things. And I think that, um, it, I would rather eat an animal that lived its life completely and was able to live a good life and like had complete freedom than to eat from, uh, the way that, you know, factory farms are where they fucking basically torture the animal and they have a shit yeah. life and they're feeding yeah. them garbage and then you're feeding yourself with all of that it's not good so i'm actually going to start hunting i'm going a lot more into nature doing shit that my ancestors did man like that's what's going to make you happy yeah i know you got to go soon so uh i'll just kind of wrap up with kind of my feedback on what you said not feedback my thought um because you mentioned hunting I i'm interested to hear because I'll definitely need to have you back and come into the studio to talk about it after you've been hunting. Because um, I think that when the moment that when you were talking about how you felt bad about eating a dead animal and it had to die so you could eat it, I just immediately thought back to when I went deer hunting with my dad as a kid. And I haven't been back deer hunting since because when I killed my first deer, I shot it. I lined up the site. It was just having its morning breakfast, shot it. And I watched this thing die. And in that moment, I was like, I literally just killed a living being. And so I love venison meat. So I'm interested to hear now that you kind of had that perspective through veganism, how it changes. Maybe it'll turn into one of those things where you have more respect for the kill and you actually treat the meat with like honest respect and maybe, maybe you'll enjoy it. I don't know. So I'm interested to hear a follow-up about that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to find out how I'm going to feel after I, I, I get my first kill. Um, I think that our ancestors did that. So why shouldn't I? And it's the way that they ate and nature is fucking scary and shit. So uh, I'm going to definitely do it. That's going to be exciting for me. Um, and yeah, dude, I, I'm excited to, to be at the studio in person once this whole yeah. thing fucking blows over and talk about it. Well, uh, we were just talking the other day. This is like, we're going to talk about these days as you remember when we were in that tiny fucking eight foot by eight foot room and we tried to fit all this studio equipment in there and it may make it look good for the camera. Um, eventually, you know, I want to scale this thing up and have a legit fucking studio. So, um, either way you, you're episode six, I believe. So you can, you were here from the beginning, bro. Yeah, man. And I'm, and I would be excited to be back. This is a fun conversation. I mean, I, I always like talking to you. So yeah, man. For sure, man. Thank you. And I enjoy talking to you too. So uh, either way, thank you for coming on and good luck on your webinar. Thanks, bro. Appreciate awesome, it. Man.